Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. I love it. We're so glad that you've joined us today in person and also online. We've been in a series called Retold, and we've been looking at some of the familiar stories that we would have taught in children's ministry, we would have heard in children's ministry, uh, would be very familiar to anybody who's been in the church for any amount of time. And we've been looking at some different details that maybe weren't shared when we were listening in children's church. And so if you've missed any of these messages, I would encourage you to listen online at crosspointwaverly.com or find us on YouTube or Spotify or Facebook and take a listen there. This morning, we're going to wrap up the series by looking at Luke chapter 19, verse number one. You can go ahead and turn in your Bibles there, Luke chapter 19. Throughout the gospel, we see this reoccurring theme that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. A few weeks ago, Pastor Fisher, Pastor Levinsky, and I shared our testimonies of uh, of how and when Jesus found us. And we also talked about the School of Arts, which is just going amazing. It's going to launch in just over a month, and there are already so many people who are signed up for it. If you want to hear more about the School of Arts that we're launching, you can go back and listen to that message. You can also go to our website and, uh, and, and look at the information on there. So we shared one of these verses in that message, and this passage will use that exact same language that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. What would be really good for us to focus on is Jesus is looking for anyone and everyone who is lost, no matter what they've done. And when they're found, they'll join a community of people who have been forgiven. I love that Mackenzie talked about that this morning, the community that we have Together, So let's pick up in Luke chapter 19, verse number 1. It says, He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried, and he came down, and he received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your Spirit's power. Would you make your word come alive to us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus was entering Jericho and was just passing through. And Jericho is the city where Joshua marched around the walls and the walls came crumbling down. Many of you would know that story. And Jesus is passing through this. And in verse number two, it says, Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. In Bible times, names meant something. And the name Zacchaeus meant righteous one. But the passage that we've just read this morning says that Zacchaeus was not living up to his name. 
Verse number two continues, and it says that he's a tax collector and he's rich. Zacchaeus was cheating his own people out of taxes, and that's how, uh, that's how he became rich. He was collecting more than what was required and then pocketing the rest. He was wealthy and he was rich because he was stealing from his own people. He was not somebody that would be well-liked. And we go back to this big thought of today that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus was a renegade and he would have been despised by the Jews. Yet in the eyes of Jesus, he was a lost sinner and needed to be found. Zacchaeus wasn't living up to his name. Remember again, it means righteous one. Each of us as followers of Jesus are sons and daughters of God. And when we say that we are Christians, we bear his name. So are we living up to his name? With our kids, there have been these times when we've uh, expressed our expectations in regards to their behaviors. And in those conversations with my children, I have never said to them, I expect you not to do this or I expect you to do this because I'm a pastor. Never. Not one time have I said that to my kids. And I hope for you that no matter what your position is in the world, that you never say that line to your kids. That you would care more about your kids than your reputation. And so what I've said to my kids throughout the years is I've said, these are the expectations that we have for you. And I'm not saying this because I'm a pastor. I'm saying it because you're my kid. And I tell them that my parents weren't even saved until I was 16 years old, and they had the same expectations for me. And so to Jacob and Juliana, I've said, it's not because I'm a pastor that I have these expectations. It's because you're a Bartholo. And that means something, right? And so live up to that name. Verse number three tells us that he was seeking to see who Jesus was. And so I just want to encourage you today, if you're not living up to the name given to you by Christ, that you would turn from your sin and start living up to it today. This despised sinner was seeking to see who Jesus was. And can I remind all of us that we have no idea what's going on in the hearts of people, right? Like you can look around at the world around you and you can think whatever you want to think about people, but you have no idea what's going on deep into the heart of that person. And so I wonder this morning, who are the groups of people that you've given up on? Who's the person that you say there's no way that they'll ever come to Christ? And I'm sure the same things were said about Zacchaeus, yet on this day, there was an openness to see who Jesus was. This verse goes on to say that because of the height differential be between Zacchaeus and the crowd, he wasn't able to see Jesus. And uh, for most of us, we've been in environments like that where we couldn't see what we wanted to see because of the people uh, blocking our view. I remember Eric and I were at an event not too long ago, and there was a... Uh, person who had a height differential than me uh, at the event and was sitting directly in front of me. And so I would move my head this way so that I could see around this person. And when I would move my head to the right, then they also would move their head to the right. And so then I would center back up. And then what would they do? They would center back up. And I'm like, for the love of Pete, could you please just sit still so that I can see what's going on around me? Verse number four tells us that this man did something that would have been embarrassing in his times and in his culture. In the East, it would be unusual for a man to run, especially a wealthy government official, and yet this is exactly what Zacchaeus did. He ran down the street, 
And then he climbed up a tree so that he would be able to see Jesus. Can I just tell you, if your heart is desiring to meet Jesus today, do what you need to do. He didn't let cultural norms or his personal pride stand in the way of seeing Jesus. So maybe for some of you today, you'll lay down your pride or whatever reason that you have that's keeping you from becoming a follower of Jesus. There was this interior motivation for Zacchaeus that day to see Jesus. And the Bible doesn't say what it was, but there was this determination in his heart to see him, and, and, and that interior-driven initiative was matched by the exterior initiative of Christ. And Jesus walked straight up to the tree that Zacchaeus was in, and he looked straight up at him. Can you imagine? For Zacchaeus that day, he was just wanting to get a glimpse of Jesus. He was just hoping for the opportunity to see him at a distance. A number of years ago, one of the past presidents was doing an event in Des Moines, a huge outdoor event. And so Erica and I had never seen a real-life president in person. And so we thought, we want to be able to go so that, you know, we can say we saw this president in person. And so we go through all kinds of security. We walk across this huge field. And I'll just tell you that not, not one time in that entire moment were we anywhere close to being close to that president. In fact, I will tell you that the view that we had of the president, he was about that big. <laughs> right? That's about how big the president was in real life. So <laughs> And I'm just telling you that there were no stands and no trees to climb up in. But let's just say Let's just say that the Secret Service would have allowed me to climb up a stand so that I could get a better view of the president. Can you imagine if he walks past all of the crowds of people and looks straight up in the stand and says, hey, Jonathan, come on down. I'm going to come to your house tonight. And something even greater than that happened to Zacchaeus. That day, Jesus walked past the crowd, looked straight up in the tree at Zacchaeus, and said, I hope you've cleaned your house, because I'm about to come over. You're going to have some company. Verse number six says, so he hurried down. He came down the tree and received Jesus joyfully. For years, Zacchaeus was not showing any interest in living up to his name, the righteous one. He was showing no interest in becoming a follower of Jesus. Aren't you glad that God doesn't hold that against us? Aren't you glad that in the season of your life when you had no interest in following Jesus, that he didn't hold that against you, that in the moment when he found you and your heart was open and receptive to that, that he received you? Some of you have written others off. You've, they've offended you for the last time, and you're like, I'm done with them. And no matter what they do to you to try to woo you back, you're done. And I know that this might surprise some of you this morning, but my wife and I don't always see eye to eye. She's on the front row. There are times when I hurt her feelings, and as manly as this sounds, there are times when she hurts mine. Some of you guys are like, what, you have feelings? <laughs> Our women are like, what, you have feelings? Men have feelings? Yes, we do. 
And when we act like petty kids, we can distance ourselves from each other, and sometimes the longer the distance, the greater the anger becomes. And no matter if I bring home a dozen roses to my wife, and she isn't ready to move on, i.e., I haven't apologized yet, Number one, we're good today. Like, this is not a live example of what happened. I'm not about to offer a public confession or apology from here. Like, we are good. And so I just want to relieve that. But I'm just telling you, if I come home with a dozen roses and present those to my wife before I have apologized, my wife is not going to appreciate the flowers. And then what's going to happen in return? In return, my kind gesture that just got poo-pooed, is then going to make me angry. And so then what happens? She's still angry. I'm angrier. And then now when she's ready to move on and I'm not, remember, I brought you flowers. And you're like, just poo-pooed it all. Glad I could use that word today. What a stupid cycle in relationships, right? Like, we need to be people of humility. And I'm not saying, like, anyway, we just, so uh, we're trying to break that cycle in our life when we don't see eye to eye. I'm just trying to get faster at apologizing, right? Like, that's, that's the goal. Maybe that's a word for some of you today. Just get faster at apologizing. I'm grateful that Jesus doesn't treat sinners the way that sometimes we treat our relationships. Whenever this side of eternity, that internal draw comes to whomever and someone reaches out to God for salvation, there is no way that God will respond with the previous example. There's no way that he'll say, well, when I was ready, when you weren't, and now that you're ready, I'm not ready. He seeks and saves the lost. That's what he does. He seeks and saves the lost. That's what he does. Verse number seven, the religious elite saw that Jesus was going to go into Zacchaeus' house, and they grumbled and said, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Jesus was a friend of sinners. And one caveat that I'll give you here is that Jesus never stepped into an environment where the temptation for him would be greater than what he could bear. Right, Jesus was perfect. So while he was a friend of sinners, those sinners did not impact his relationship with the Father. Right, And so I just want to encourage some of you today who are maybe in relationships with people who are steering you away from God. And I just want to challenge you with this, that if you're hanging out with people who are constantly tempting you to live in a moral lifestyle or to succumb to the temptation of sin, maybe it's time to take a break from from that friendship for a moment, for your faith to be strengthened even more while continuing to pray for the deliverance and the freedom and the salvation of your friend. Does that make sense what I'm saying this morning? People criticized Jesus for ministering to a man that they thought was not worthy of God's grace because he had done them wrong. Yet in the presence of Jesus, this man opens up about his sin and he makes a commitment to make it right to the people that he's wronged. May this place be a place that those who are the furthest from God, those who've done you wrong, can come and experience the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, that they can confess their sins and experience the freedom that Christ wants for them to experience. 
Verse number eight says, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. He had come face to face with his Savior, and he was ready to make it right. In this moment, after Zacchaeus spills out his heart, Jesus doesn't look at him and say, you did what? I can't be in your house now. Jesus wasn't surprised by Zacchaeus' sin. Jesus already knew that. His response was, today salvation has come to this house. People thought that Zacchaeus was a wealthy man, and by worldly standards, he was. He had the material possessions, and he had the money, but actually, he was just a bankrupt sinner who needed to receive God's gift of eternal life. And the fact that Zacchaeus, a rich man, came to know Jesus was a miracle. Last week, we talked about how we serve a God who is able. And in the chapter before this moment, in Luke chapter 18, Jesus had just talked to a rich guy in this chapter before, and here's how their conversation is recorded in Luke chapter 18, verse number 18. It says, and a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, he said, all these I've kept from my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, how difficult is it? For those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? And Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. We serve a God who is able. And so Jesus has this encounter with someone who thinks that they want to be found. The rich young ruler says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This guy seems like a pretty moral guy. He checks off all of the the big boxes of big sins not to do. He says he hasn't committed adultery. He's not murdered anyone. He's not stolen from anyone. He's not bore false witness. He's honored his father and his mother. But one of the things that he hasn't done is put his full trust in God. Money is this man's idol. And Jesus wants to see how serious that this man is about his desire to follow after him. And so he asked him to give up the most important thing in his life. He says, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. He offers this man this amazing trade. And for some of you, this trade would have been hard. But when you sit down and you pencil it out, it pencils out. The trade makes sense. Let's suppose that, uh, that you might live 100 years. Let's suppose that Zacchaeus could have lived 100 years. Jesus says, come follow me. I'll take care of you in this life and in the next. There will be treasures for you. And maybe some of you aren't good with math, but I'll just tell you this morning that even if he lived to 100 years old, eternity is much longer than that. And the trade that Jesus gives him is I'll take care of you now and I'll take care of you for eternity. Jesus says, sell it all and give it to the poor and follow after me. 
but this was the thing that he found success in. Money and his possessions is what he found significance in and security and comfort. And Jesus asked him to lay down the thing that was the fleshly for him and follow after him. This morning, what is Jesus asking you to lay down to follow him? Don't be like the rich man and miss the trade. In verse number 23, it says, but when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. He said how difficult it is. He says, for it is easier, and he uses this imagery that you can imagine this morning. I would have brought a needle, but I didn't have a camel. So, uh, like, I just thought, what's the difference? Like, you can just envision in your mind, right? And he uses this imagery that says it would be easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, then who can be saved? Right, If it's that difficult and it's that challenging and Jesus says these words, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Jesus recognizes that it's difficult for this man, right? And he uses that imagery. And we can see that even today, people who think that they are self-sufficient and that they don't need God. They think they have all they need. They're rich in possessions but spiritually bankrupt. Jesus illustrates how hard it is, but in verse number 27, he says, what's impossible with man is possible with God. What's impossible with man is possible with God. And so we come back to the story of Zacchaeus, what was said about him in the very next chapter in Luke chapter 19. The very next chapter, it says, a very rich man, and he was rich because he ripped people off. A man that Jesus said would be next to impossible for him to become a follower of him. He said it would be easier for a rich man to pass, for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to become a follower of him. He just shares this story in in, in the chapter right before this. But what is impossible with man is possible with God. We serve a God who is able, he is able to take what seems like the most helpless situation. He's able to take what you think is a person who who has no chance to be saved. He seeks and saves the lost. That's what he does, and he makes the impossible possible. Jesus changed Zacchaeus' story. What was said before him, right? If someone asked a random guy on the street, hey, do you know who Zacchaeus is? Right, I would imagine that that response would be, oh, I hate that guy. Hate that guy. Yeah, I know who Zacchaeus is. He's the one that comes to my house and collects my taxes and makes me give more than what's required. And then he lines his pockets with the excess and he's become rich off of the backs of me and my family. But because he has this encounter with Jesus, his story gets retold. Think about what those future conversations would look like for the random guy on the street who's asked, do you know who Zacchaeus is? The response could be, yes, I know that guy. I saw him at his worst. I hated that guy. But then he had this encounter with Jesus and everything changed. This man came back to my house. 
he not only took the money, he, he not only brought me the money that he took from me, he returned it fourfold. And it wasn't just miles. He went to my neighbor's house and he restored what was taken to them. Again, not just what was taken, but returned it fourfold. Because of Jesus, his story gets retold. And I believe this morning that God wants to write a new chapter in your life. He wants you to see how deep and wide, how high and how far is the love of Jesus. Maybe there are some of you in here today and you're not a follower of God. And maybe people would say the same thing about you that they said of Zacchaeus. I hate that person. I've seen them at their worst. And Jesus wants to seek and to find and to save the lost. He wants to take you from the worst place that you're at right now and have an encounter with you so that your life can be changed forever. I'm going to ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Today, if you say, that's me. Maybe others of you say, you know what, I'm not at my worst, but I'm not where I need to be with my relationship with Jesus. I've not been living up to the name, and today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him when I count to three. Why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three. Lift them up all across this room. One, two, three, four. You can put them down. Are there others this morning? Let's all stand. There were at least four hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, Thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. And this morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you raise your hand in person today or online, we'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We want to encourage you along in the journey that God wants to take you on and the decision that you've made to follow him today. We leave time at the end of each of our services for people to receive prayer. In just a moment, the worship team is going to lead us in a song. The prayer team is going to make their way to the front. There'll be some on this side and some on this side. And if you've come here today needing prayer for anything, after I pray and the worship team begins to sing this song, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward for prayer. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word. 
God, we thank you that throughout the Gospels we see this reoccurring theme that you seek and save the lost. And we're grateful that for many of us in the room today that you have found us. And that you've transformed us. But God, this morning I pray for those who have walls up to you. Those whose hearts are hardened towards you. Those who seem like the most unlikely people to become a follower of you. This morning I pray that their hearts would melt like wax in your presence. God, that even now, those watching online and listening in person who aren't followers of you, that before they finish this morning, before they finish this moment, that they would confess you as their Lord and Savior, that they would confess their sins and receive forgiveness. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our church and in our community for the number of people each and every single week that are coming to know you, that you're finding them and their hearts are receptive to you. And so Lord, we, we, we thank you for that, but we, Lord, we say we're not settled with that because our hearts still beat and your heart still beats for the lost, the 12,000 people within a 10 mile radius of our church that don't know you. And so God, we pray for the most unlikely Groups of people are individuals that you would send a revival, that you would seek them and find them and save them, we pray. And Lord, help us with kingdom builders and our global outreach and impact to reach the billions of souls around the world that aren't followers of you that you care about. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.